And we are back. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Daily Dots. And joined as always by the Brain Trust himself, Mr. Chase Taylor. Um, <clears throat> uh, kind of another pretty nondescript day. Uh, I mean, not for us. We've had some big movers. But basically, where, where are we at uh, on the rundown on the index? So we got about three minutes to go for those listening, but we're up 0.18 on the NASDAQ, 0.25 on the Qs. Small caps um, had are having one of their days. They're up 1.4. So MAG7 up 0.23. Uh, dollar flat. Well, the long bonds actually up. 30-year yields up four basis points. Oil up about 1.5%. Um, so yeah, like... Yeah, not much volatility at all on the equity indices. No, but the sound is the hound is running. Yeah, the hound just it kept it kept going for the bone today. <laughs> We're it's chasing uh, yeah, the up, up about twenty percent. So we let the you dogs know, that, out. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's you know, that's a modest move for the hound on a daily. Um, yeah, took the day off. Yeah, and if you guys have played that, especially on our behalf, just to let you know we've been trimming it the last two days. Yep. And it was a very small position to begin with, like I said. But but I do think it illustrates for our clients listening out there, um, we've had some pretty significant outperformance just this week alone in both of our portfolios. And, um, you know, that tail hedging thing, right? I mean, that's this is what we're talking about. Um, it's going to be a lot. I'm really looking forward to where we can, we can institute the use of options. We're still going through the whole approval process and all that kind of stuff for that. But so we, uh, so we can st- st- stop buying the dog pound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I think there's some other interesting things out there too. Uh, that biotech position that we put on, we only put that on what two, three weeks ago. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah, probably. Th- if if not three or four weeks ago, and we've added to it once or twice because as it stepped higher. Is it, you know what? Yeah, because that thing's up six. It must be driven by that stock in our momentum. I'm portfolio. sure it's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. Our momentum portfolio picked one up. Viking Therapeutics. Yeah, Viking Therapeutics. It picked up like three weeks ago. That thing's up 120 percent today, which fascinates me because that algorithm. This is kind of off the normal topic, but there, there's nothing fundamental in that algorithm, and it's done this. It did that a couple times. And did I tell you the, the time in COVID where I came in? And it was one of the days where we were down like nine or 10% and the momentum portfolio was like up 20 basis points or something and it can't short. And so you're looking at it and going, that's impossible, or you can't be green if you're not shorting and it did market down 10, right? Well, it had two stocks on the same day that were up like 80% plus and they were um, PPP company or P- PPE, PPE yep. companies and the mask shortage got announced that day. Well, the algorithm had picked up what we think must have been insider buying the two weeks before that, because you're sitting there going, right, like, because it gets keyed by volumes, right? And so, and what other way, you, you know, there had to be some inside baseball being played because that was only government. Well, it was probably congressional members that were front running it. And, and a few, I would say like a few smart individual investors, probably small, but that were willing to go like, just, just do the third order effects of what they saw coming with COVID. Yeah. Like, well, why not buy these? Yeah. And they're yeah. so small. It didn't take much. No, no. That whole flows thing came into and kind of blew it out. Um, but no, fascinating. Yeah. The out, that was another interesting one. The algorithm, the Viking therapeutics came out with great announcements and the momentum portfolio picked it up three weeks ago. I, I just think it's fascinating how much, and this is one of the reasons why, you shouldn't be like I was in the first half of my career that thought technical analysis was all garbage. It's not. And 
there's a lot of, like Marcos has said, and you've said, you've made this point. There's just a lot of information baked into the prices of securities. Now, I think you also get into times like now where there's a lot of noise baked into the price yeah. of securities, right? And that's when it get, really gets tough. Um, anyway, what else do we see? Any uh, interesting news that came out today on the fundamental side? I didn't see. It seems like a really kind of a quiet time right now. Yeah, there's a good bit of data. None of it, none of it, like honestly, high signal and noise stuff, though. Um, nothing really, even honestly, worth mentioning. Um, one piece of news that I find interesting was uh, Russia announced a multi-month ban on on gasoline exports. And gasoline's already kind of tight um, in, in the rest of the world, and we have a lot of refinery outages right now. So I could see uh, a pretty decent move higher in, in gasoline, diesel, uh, jet fuel, stuff like that in the coming months, which will turn into um, a very bullish setup, I think, for oil. Um, it could weigh on oil for the next month or two a little bit as you have to draw down uh, you have, you know, you build an oil inventory because you're not refining as much. And then on the back end, you have to refine a whole bunch um, and you draw down that oil. Um, so from that standpoint, oil is very interesting. Oil is like right at a breakout level that it's teased multiple times and hasn't made this higher high of about 80. But um, that, that was one of the more notable things to me today was watching that price action in oil. <clears throat> yeah. What it, it I, I mean, why do you think it's just, is it? I mean, I, I, why is it responding to the news out of Russia when it hasn't seemed to care about anything geopolitically for a while? Well, well that, because all the other geopolitical stuff doesn't do anything to impact supplier demand whatsoever. Um, you Like all the Red Sea stuff, what does it really do? It, it impacts how long it takes you to get your to get your shipment. It doesn't impact whether or not you'll get your shipment. But if you're a country in Africa that buys a lot of gasoline from Russia – this absolutely impacts whether or not you get your gasoline. You have to might you have to you might you know you have to go get it from someone else, and well, they're going to make you pay for it. Yeah, yep, that's what that's what they do. Um, okay, what else are we looking at? I mean, I you know what I do think is interesting is something that you and I talked about right now, and it actually makes sense, and it's kind of got me a little excited. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and this is. Another reason why I think you guys should, if you're at home doing this on your own, why you should probably subscribe to Chase's uh, Chase's research. Uh, uh, so he's got two different levels of subscriptions. But you brought up something really important on our investment call today. And it was something that I wasn't aware of until you talked about it. That the vast majority of this federal spending that's on deck, it hasn't even hit yet. Yeah. the When you kind of look at how much of it has been put in put to use and, and how much of it we still have left. And then just kind of look at it annually. Like how much did we spend in 23? How much will we spend in 24, 25? Like it, it's just kind of just ramping up. So the money that's going to flow, th- flow through down to all the suppliers that end up supporting all of that. Um, a lot of that's still to come. So yeah, we were talking about uh, industrials, industrials small yeah. cap industrials specifically on that. And um, they're doing great business right now. And, and you go, you go look through some of the manufacturing surveys at the comments and you can see some of these smaller companies um talking about like their order books and it's it's robust for sure yeah well and then the the other thing you like about it guys is that you know nothing's a guarantee but um if they're in line to receive that money it really doesn't matter if you get a recession or not i mean right their work's there yeah yeah, they're good to go if anything the government will find a way to, to step up the allocation and, and to speed it up to help get you out of the, 
the recession. Right, right. Um, and and the other nice thing about it is, in a market like this, when you go start looking at the industrials, they are not crazy priced. No, by, by and large, very reasonable, especially looking at the wave of money that's coming at them. Now, the one thing you risk in a market like this is that, and, and I'm dead serious when I say this. This scenario that we're talking about could play out. Their revenues could increase fifty to sixty percent. That doesn't mean the stock will move. No, I mean that we we've seen that with a lot of commodity centric things yeah. where their earnings explode and no one cares. Especially if you view it as like, you know, it's like a one off. Like when oil spikes, everyone's like, yeah, but you know, we won't even need oil in ten years. So who cares? And then <laughs> you can see the same thing here. It's like, yeah, that's great, but like once that federal money run, runs out, what are these people going to do? Which, yeah. But there's definitely some truth to that. Uh, we've um, been talking about federal money running out for 15 years. So, <laughs> well, yeah. But everyone was ter- telling me how terrifying the like $3 trillion national debt was when I was a kid. So, yeah. <laughs> That's a deficit now. Uh, we're darn near. Um, <clears throat> the other one that I, that is interesting. Now, like I said, we got to take a, we got to take a, you know, little, I, you know, a little bit of salt with this one and, and, some perspective because of that one company Viking therapeutics being up so much, but like you and I have talked about, uh, biotech is looking interesting. And I think the charts looking pretty good on it too, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, the reason we just recently added because it broke above a key level. It broke above another one today. Um, hit the 200 week moving average. Let me, let me check. We're, we're six minutes past the close. We'll be able to see if it went past that. I, I would not be surprised if it kind of comes back down to that, to that level either one of those two levels. Um, but yeah, we, so like, it's kind of funny, but the, the kind of round number 100 area, 100 was a big deal. And then 101 and, and a half is like the, the 200 week moving average. And we closed at 102.89 on XBI. So a, a very powerful surge this week in biotech for, for sure. And the interesting thing about that is what we've talked about a lot is, the ultimate winner of, of, of AI to me probably isn't making some, you know, digital assistant for everyone on earth. It's probably going to be a very specific AI application for some, some pe- people like drug makers and materials makers where yeah. it saves them a lot of time and effort and money to uh, help them with along with their research. So if you unleash a bunch of new yeah. um, viable um, treatments, then these these companies will make a shocking amount of money. So to me, AI makes a ton of sense for them. Whereas like, does it, the average knowledge worker, like, I, I guess it'll help some, but like right now, like it, it struggles to get stuff right so much for the large language models. Like, so to me, the the more directly applicable, smaller, smaller AI stuff is, is what I personally find most interesting. And, and specifically biotech and materials are the two, two spaces that, just maybe just my small brain where it makes the most sense. No, I I'm with you. And the other thing that's really attractive to me is biotech has been a dog for a very, yes. long time. Yep. And, and, and there are very reasonable valuations in that sector right now. Um, you, look, you can always find some overheated ones too. And I'm sure they're in there without. Yeah. And there's all kinds of crap frauds and yeah. everything mixed in. But there's, <laughs> there's always a bunch of junk in, in biotech for sure. Yeah. But yeah, but something has gone down versus the S and P basically just consistently for like a decade, like that, there's, there's going to be interesting stuff in there. Well, and it, and, and, you know, there is something to the, that, that storage of energy, right? Like the longer something is in the doghouse, when it starts breaking out, right. 
the longer it's been stuck, the more energy it's typically going to have to the upside. Right. Uh, some of the best advice I've ever gotten in it, it, it and it's really good is find, find the best players in the worst sectors. If you can find something that's been just a dog for a decade and then go look through to find the relative like strength in there. Like you, you'll always find a couple names that are, are seem to be, and this is very technical analysis heavy, but like find a few names that are performing decently and looking decently, despite the fact that all their peers, you know, are just in the ditch. Um, because if their sector kind of turns it around and starts to get some some inflows, that they tend to take off. Well, yeah, because then you've got the general inflows going into them. You've got the fundamental inflows, right, going in right. From, from the value from fundamental guys. And it's just uh, – All the generals that haven't looked at the sector for five years, they go take a look and they're like, oh, wow, look at this one. Mm-hmm. And, and they buy it. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> the other thing too is when you see the kind of froth that you currently see in the general markets and – uh, in tech specifically, um, you know, this is kind of what we refer to as bubble surfing, right? Like you want to, you want to hedge the tails and catch some of that nonsense, but you cannot take your eyes off the fact that the real opportunities long-term are going to be in the places that are not performing right now. And the trick is, the trick is trying to do both at the same time, right? Which is kind of, was basically what we're trying to do with our tail hedging strategy, right? Um, which seems to be working so pretty good so far, but, uh, you know, this is, this is what it takes to survive a bubble. Like you, you just got to be disciplined enough not to be too short-sighted. And, um, when we say bubble too, look, you could have people get absolutely rocked this year and have the S and P not even finish negative. Right. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. And, and it's just because of people are concentrating in all the names and I'll throw out another anecdotal one to you. The number one complaint I have had about clients recently from our clients has been, we're worried that we don't have enough market exposure. Okay. I've been doing this for almost 15 years. I have never had the clients be right. When they freak out and want out, it's almost always time to put money to work. And when they're worried about us being overexposed, it makes me cautious. If you're crying, you should be buying. If you're yelling, you should be selling. There you go. There you go. It's from the from the horse's mouth himself there, folks. Anyway, do we have anything else? I, it, I feel like we've had so much to talk about. Maybe it's because I'm less irritated with the Fed for whatever reason. I mean, I'm not. It's probably just because I haven't thought about it. Oh, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a new uh, Kansas City Fed has a new boss, and he gave his first talk. Um, this guy kind of makes sense. It was weird. Um, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. He's running a regional Fed bank, and he makes sense. Well, one speech in, right? Like, okay. we'll, we'll see how it goes. But it's a good start, though. Um, every once in a while, like, I what's what's funny is like to me on that is some of some of the individuals at the Fed they'll give one speech where I'm like, yes, nailed it, absolutely, and then like two months later they'll say something. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, you were just making sense to me. Yeah, but <laughs> except Bullard, Bullard never made sense to me, folks. No. Um. But yeah, like he, he was basically like, I don't even understand the point. Just of so the folks doing know, pre- just so the folks cuts. know behind the scenes, Bullard is like a personal hero of yours. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Well, let's let it, pay, it pains you literally when his name comes up. There's a pain. It it looks like we're talking about like it's like a similar look. If I brought up the fumble, there you go. Yep, that's called rubbing salt in the wound, isn't it? Yep, fumble, red right, ADA, the drive. We, we uh, got a few yeah. of them. Get the shot, the shot, game. Michael Jordan over the Cavs. That, oh, was, yeah. that was a heartbreaker. Who was that over? Remember Craig Elo? Yeah, that's right. Of course I remember. How would you guard MJ with Craig Elo? Oh, you don't. Well, that's ridiculous. he was actually a good defender. Was he really? He had length. 
Really? It wasn't even bad defense. He made a good little run by. I just thought of Craig Elo as like a you know, like a Mark Price, just a three point shooter. Yeah, Mark Price wasn't a good defender, but but Elo could defend a little bit. Yeah, but Price could shoot the lights out, especially yeah. on NBA Jam. It's true. He's on fire. He's still one of the best free throw shooters of all time. There you go. All right, yeah, gotta love a good free throw percentage. Boy, this thing got off the rails quick, didn't it? <laughs> um, no. So, any what do we got coming out the rest of the week? Anything that you think we should be looking at here? So tomorrow we have mortgage applications. So we'll get we'll get the second look at GDP, personal consumption, um, prices al- along those lines, um, and then and just inventories, which don't really care. So so today we we had like durable goods, which is too noisy for me to really pay much attention to. Um, home prices, which were kind of mixed, um, but the one I, I like the most is the month over month view of FH um, FA which that's kind of slowed down. We only went up 0.1. Um, and then we got conference boards, um, consumer confidence numbers, which actually weren't great. They kind of fell. But then Richmond Fed was be- better than expected and honestly pretty decent. And then the Dallas Fed had their services um, index, which is still negative, but a lot better than last month. So mixed day, data was decent, but but all of it's really soft data. Um, and then rest of the week. So Friday we'll get personal income, personal spending, um, and then core PCE. And then, oh, sorry, that's Thursday. Uh, Thursday will be a, a reasonably decent day because we'll have jobless claims, pending home sales, KC Fed. Um, so stick tuned for Thursday tomorrow. Eh, not much. Yeah. So we, <clears throat> yeah, it's quite. You know what? This is always kind of a dead time of the year, isn't it? Kind of February, as far as I mean, unless there's something crazy going on on a macro level. Yeah, other than like the 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 you know the big prints, you always have to pay attention to. It gets a little quiet, just just like sports, where football goes away and you got to wait for baseball. Another one I want to ask you about: you and our uranium. Where, where are you watching that? So that that looked like a nice bounce back today. Looked like we were going to close above fifty. It gave it up there toward the end. Uh, is that fit? Where what levels are we watching, and why are 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 we troubled when looking at uranium right now? I mean, on a fundamental picture, it's beautiful, right? I, I'm zero percent troubled, honestly. I so w- the way I think of this, and I'm who knows if I'm right, but the way I think of it is, a lot of people, whenever spot uranium got up to 100, decided oh, I want to take some off. Um, I mean, I've been personally investing in uranium since 2016 when it was under 30, um, and even me, from my process from the beginning, was like, hey, when it gets to 100, I'm taking some off. Yeah, and it's the first time I ever trimmed the whole, the whole time. But I, hey, hundred like that's good enough for me to take some off. Did you really hold your initial position for since twenty sixteen? Added, 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 added. Never sold, and then whenever we got up there, it's like all right, like it's time to take some off, de-risk a little here. Oh boy! So, but I think I think a lot of people did that. I've heard heard from a lot of people that did that. So that created a, a little a, a small sell off, and then all the people that heard about uranium in the last three months that bought. You know, they bought it up in the high 50s on URNM. All of a sudden, now, next thing they know, they're down like 10%. And they're like, oh, what the heck? Mm-hmm. They sell. So you get, then you end up with a decent sell-off, right? Um, and, to, and to be fair, like the spot price went up from over a little over 100 back to like 90-ish, a little over 90. Yeah, she was due for up. I mean, she right. didn't do So for same up, thing. Right? Yeah. Um, but now, as the last I saw yesterday, we're back up to like 96 on spot. Um, any any weakness is going to, to get it's going to get pushed back up in, in relatively short order. In my opinion, I don't think we go into, I don't think we get out of the uranium physical deficit 
in any meaningful way personally until probably 2030 unless we get uh just you know parabolic spike above 200 or something like that then then maybe some people find a way to like start getting stuff out of the ground mm. um so to me like the fundamentals are still wonderful then now the, the chart definitely started to show some weakness i, I thought the 49 area was like hey, it'd be nice if that held it didn't so then it was like well it'd be nice if 47 held so far it is and if it doesn't you go back to a, like 42 and change and then yeah you hope that holds but for me for me personally like if you're above 35 you're fine so that that's a pretty decent sell-off from here like but this thing went straight up 75 percent, and then it pulled back 10 and you know a lot of uranium people were whining about it it's like come on man like how do you think this works like you, yeah, you, you don't, don't go you don't think you have to go through some, some it's drawdown? not a tech company right right <laughs> it's, it's not nvidia it's just just like all the the coal the coal stocks whenever they had their epic run like they would routinely give you a forty percent drawdown in that great run. Well, that I mean, that hey, that's the playbook of playing commodities. If yeah. you, like if you can't stomach thirty to forty percent, that's the price to pay. Exactly, price to play, especially ones that are popular with with fast money and, and retail and stuff that you know will get shaken out and and make a lot of uh, psychological errors, if you will. Yeah, but I mean, and you know, for those of you that don't know, like you know, if, if something goes on one hundred twenty percent run. It's pullback is going to be bigger than normal. Right. You know what it's I mean? like, it's going, just the way it works. Yeah. And, and when it comes to like the, the, the real side of this, like almost every day, there's some sort of good news that, that happens for, for uranium, for the nuclear industry. Like I think in the last week we had, you know, India come out and say like, Oh, we're going to build more, even more plants. So it, that, and that happens almost weekly at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, the demand, so the demand side is going to be huge. The demand, I would love to see what the projected demand curve going out is. I mean, that thing has got to be just tipping up like this. And if the U.S. bans Russian imports, you immediately have higher demand for for uranium because of that. So, like, there, there's just there's a lot of possible catalysts to the upside there. Um, the last testament I saw had had the equities, the, the miners, roughly priced at like sixty sixty five dollar um, uranium, and when and we're at more, you know closer to a hundred, so. I would argue they're they're pretty cheap. We we are below where both Cameco and Kazatomprom said, and Kazatomprom is like a giant chunk of the production. Big one, yeah, and they both said like, "Oh yeah, we're not going to be able to produce as much as we said by a lot, and and like by like ten million pounds next year." And we're below where they said that. So that's again, that's really all I need to know. Yeah, yeah, the supply and demand side of it does still work, and it's on our on our side of it. And again, like we've set up on it a bunch of times, it's it's going to be one of the toughest things about operating this environment because if you want to own the things that are going to work the best. Now, hopefully we're wrong. Like, ho- like hopefully this stuff is what's working and tech, like, tech finally goes to the penalty box. Oh, right? speaking of, interesting on tech, sorry. Uh, Apple today was really about to break down on the chart again at this pivotal point. Did you and, see the volume surge that came into it? And then they said, oh, we're not going to build those. We're not going to build those cars. We're giving up on the cars. And then the, the, the market loved that. And then the equity went up, which hey, the market probably should love that. But yeah. Oh, were they, were they, I didn't realize they were still talking about building an Apple car. Yeah. They've been, they've been like entertaining it. Oh, man. It feels is like it, half my life. Is it titanium? <laughs> and then, so they finally threw in the towel and, and then we got a nice little move up. I, yeah, I think that's a good move on them because based yeah. on the way they're cranking out phones, I would never buy a car from them. Plus, I mean, if you look at how out of favor EVs have gotten in, in the last like six months, yeah, like eh, no, thank you. Well, well now, plus it's such a low margin business. Why, like, 
man, by no, but boy, it's going to be a cash cow for that little speaker company. All the EVs. Yeah, well, if you're a supplier, it's great. Yeah, all the EV companies are flocking to us because we can cut their speaker count in half, lower their weight, all that kind of stuff, and drastically reduce their cost. And so they're lining up, man. So I've, <laughs> I've gone from thinking EVs are going, you know, like, it, and I'm like, well, hold on a second now. Let's give these companies a chance. Elon Musk is a good guy. I've always been a fan of Tesla. Well, one thing of note along the EV lines, all, all the battery metals have been obliterated. And both lithium and nickel um, in the last couple of weeks, two, three weeks have like kind of perked up a little bit and, and it's not getting much fanfare or attention, which makes it double notable to me. Yeah. My buddy Bruce would like that. He's, he's, he's big into lithium. I told him I didn't think it was. Well, he can buy the, the, the Chile ETF because the biggest single position in that bad boy is a big lithium miner that's been pounded. Well, that's interesting. Maybe we got to poke around at that, huh? Yeah. I like it. Lithium? Uh, I like, isn't, isn't, isn't that, isn't the fact that it's struggling that, I mean, that's just forecasting weakness in the EV market, right? Forecasting or maybe reflecting how, how rough it's been in the last year, you mm. know, plus, I mean, it's just, we added a lot, a lot of supply because yeah. everyone told you, you're going to have a shortage of lithium that you could never hope to fill. Right. Same with nickel and, and all of it. And the next thing you know, they're like, they're giving away nickel and Cracker Jack boxes because there's too much of it. It's like, well, the other thing too, is lithium is not nearly, as I understand it, I'm not an expert. Lithium is not nearly as rare as I think people think it's, it is. It's decidedly, so same with uranium, it is decidedly not rare. Right. It's just not easy to get and it's dirty to get it. Right. Right. It's expensive. Yeah. All right, man. Well, got anything else? I mean, that's kind of covers it for the day. It. Yeah. Not much rate movement. It's been kind of eerily calm almost. Yeah, well, I will, I will say two tens. The the yield curve there has actually widened out a good bit. It, it looked like it was going to go positive not that long ago, and last at last check, it was back to negative like forty five basis points. So pretty pretty ugly um, yield curve. Um, think that has anything to do with the anticipation of banks getting hit by commercial real estate defaults, or I, I just think it, we we went from seven cuts back to three. Oh yeah, that'll that was, do it. That was enough to yeah, <laughs> that'll do it. All right, brother. Well, thank you as always. And thank you guys for listening in. And um, as always, we will be back tomorrow to continue this journey. Be careful with the hound. She's fun to run with, but she can bite you. Right? Yeah. That thing could be down 50% before you, yeah, you yeah, brush and your if, teeth in the morning. Yeah. And if you guys were playing that kind of stuff on our, uh, on our word, just take profits. The old deal. Like it's, and it sucks because, you know, if you take profits, it feels like it's going to run. If you don't take profits, you will get hammered, right? So just walk them up, walk them up. And, uh, but, but also let a little bit play. It's the mistake that I've learned many times, but especially got engraved on my head in the GameStop one, right? We bought it at nine, <clears throat> two and a half months later, sold it at 43 because we knew what it was worth. And I just, I look back on it and you and I have talked about this a hundred times, right? When you're doing something like that, leave 100, leave 100 basis points on there. Right. I, I refer to it as the angel's share. And for any bourbon people out there, you'll know oh, yeah. that in a bourbon barrel, like some of it just gets out. It just leaves through evaporation, evaporation and everything yeah. over time. And they refer to it as the angel's share. So I, I think of it that way. I call them angel's shares. And <laughs> it, if you had a really good run and something, like it's so common to just like take it all off. But if you just leave a little bit and just... Basically, put it in a coffee can and bury it. Just don't even think about it ever again. Like sometimes those, and the those reason work out. why is because things in motion tend to stay in motion, and as things go higher, they draw they draw more attention, and the likelihood you're going to top ticket. Um, the other thing too is you learn this as an investor is you don't cut your winners, you let them run. 
you know, um, don't cut them, but you can trim them. Right. hundred percent. So anyway, dimmer switch home. There you go. Yeah. Dimmer switch, not the off switch. All right, guys, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you then. Have a great night. And, uh, as always, if you're listening to this, you like the dots, share it with other people and give us a download. It costs free or it's no cost. And, uh, again, more subscribers helps us get other guests on. Anyway, working on a great interview coming up. You know, the shrub. Oh yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm, I I think we scheduled it for next Thursday. That should be an awesome one. He's a really bright guy. Anyway, we'll see you again tomorrow. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.